This is where we meet, sharing conversations from New Mexico and beyond. I'm Alice Morillon, and this show is supported by the Northern Rio Grande National Heritage Area. Taos Center for the Arts would like to recognize that it operates on the homelands of the Red Willow people of Taos Pueblo. We'd like to honor the ongoing dedication and importance of Native and Indigenous cultures within our community and within the land we live, learn, and exist on. Our guests today are the four members of Lone Pinon, that is Jordan Wax, Santiago Romero, Tania Nunez, and Karina Wilson. Lone Pinon is a New Mexican string band, or Orchestra Tipica, whose music celebrates the integrity and diversity of our region's cultural roots. With fiddles, upright bass, guitars, accordions, viola, and bilingual vocals, they play a wide spectrum of the traditional music that is at home in New Mexico. For 10 years, the band has been reaching out to New Mexican musicians and resources to uncover New Mexican traditional folk music and bring it to stages. Their unique approach connects the historical and social context of our region to the songs they perform. In early December of 2023, I drove down to Santa Fe to meet them during one of their weekly rehearsals. I walked into a house with low ceilings, music playing already, and beans warming on the counter in the kitchen. Here is our conversation with the musicians first introducing themselves. Well, my name is Santiago Romero. Um, I'm from Santa Fe, New Mexico, and uh, I joined, I was able to actually uh, join with Lompignon through the shutdown. Um, I, uh, I also play in a mariachi group that's, you know, uh, you know, obviously busy during the same hours of days, and, and so once mariachi gigs kind of weren't happening, we had these, these a lot of these streaming opportunities, and um, so I was able to kind of join forces with these guys that were all three already together, and so, yeah, um, so yeah, that's that's kind of how I was able to jump in with Lompignon. Thank you. Would you add what instrument you play? Yeah, I play the guitar. I play a, a instrument called the vihuela, a mariachi instrument, and sing as well. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Hi, my name is Tanya Nunez, and I joined uh, Lone Pinon in 2019, and I play the upright bass, and um, I was a fan of uh, Lone Pinon for a while, just, you know, encountering them on various stages that I had um, with other groups, and I saw them playing and just enjoyed listening to what they were doing and got to know them that way a little bit. and then they asked me to join them to complete a trio in 2019 at the release of an album that year. So. Thank you. Uh, my name is Jordan Wax. I play the fiddle and accordion and guitar and sing and mandolin sometimes. Uh, and I'm a founding member of the group. I started about 10 years ago. And it kind of came from um, an extension of a process of just working with elders to play regional music. I, I grew up in Missouri and learned the fiddle, playing with older square dance musicians, and really loved that uh, connection to place and community. And uh, when I moved to New Mexico, I kind of took me a little while, but gradually started getting curious about that. And and uh, met a couple musicians and started learning a little bit and then started playing and and uh, uh, with a, a couple friends the Greg Glassman and Noah Martinez who were uh, the other founding members of the founding trio 
and then um, met playing at a f farmer's market in South Santa Fe, Tomas Mays, who's a mandolinist and an elder musician from Santa Fe, that that was a huge impact on me continuing the, the that course because he shared a lot about the, uh, you know, he, you know, was really connected to that older music from Santa Fe and all around northern New Mexico and, and was a, you know, a living connection to that, which meant a lot. Hmm. I'm Karina Wilson. Um, I grew up in Glorieta, New Mexico, playing the fiddle. Um, I was I joined Lang Pinon about um, I don't know. Yeah, right before the shutdown in 2020, we maybe did one gig together <laughs> before that, and then um, and then learned a lot of the repertoire just through shared media files and and um, combined like uh, those videos that have all the different windows of people playing. Um, but I had grown up around this, a little bit around this music. My family was um, really based in folk traditions from their ancestors and also from the, uh, the people who were here before us. And um, I, so I was really intrigued by Lone Pignon, when I first heard them, I was playing in a, in a honky-tonk band with Noah Martinez, who was one of the founding members of this. And so I would go out and, and try to catch those gigs whenever I could, because the music was just so good. It was so lively and so fast and exciting and, and just really <coughs> beautiful. So when, um, the, when Jordan asked me if I would... When the opportunities came where we could like start making music together, it was really... really a, pleasure and really fun and I kind of pushed everything else off the table <laughs> <laughs> so yeah thank that, you yeah <laughs> well um Jordan I want to go back to something you mentioned I think you were saying that you met with um Thomas Mess yeah if that's mm -hmm. his name mm -hmm. and um I believe that's a big part of what you guys do is connecting with musicians and learning from them the tunes and um and the songs and what goes uh, with those tunes and those songs and what carries them. And I wonder if you could talk about this aspect of the band and uh, first, um, a little more about how it started. And, and second, um, what, what is that relationship with musicians, with older musicians now for you guys to show up and like, we want to learn. Uh, what is the reception from people around here? That's a great question. Each of those parts could be like <laughs> hours of conversation, <laughs> um, but yeah, to, to try to be to, to the point, which is always a challenge for me. Um, uh, I think it uh, that's so, oh something that has been uh, a way I've always approached music and culture. I think particularly even you know when I was learning, we didn't have YouTube and. Um, so much access to information uh, so there was a tendency that you had to learn music from an older person like it, it wasn't commercially available same as Missouri as in New Mexico there wasn't really an industry where um, those small regional things were recorded and so you couldn't like research that or find it uh, disconnected from a person in the community um, but then as time has gone on and I think maybe because I had a chance to kind of get that taste out of necessity um, I think 
as time has gone on and now it's like you can learn you know endless information that's you know just very abstract and just from youtube or uh i i feel like yeah it's been really important to keep touch with that because uh um especially as someone who's not from new mexico generationally like uh it's really important that to me i think the, the way i understand that is continuity is there's there's a connection of continuity and even if that point is is small a lot can pass through it uh in a relationship that you have with someone where it's you know you're getting the the tune and the style but also a little bit of the attitude and the memory and the role that it played and um sometimes those things you know a lot of cultures that i work with have experienced a lot of disruption so those those little points of continuity can sometimes be like bottlenecks where there was this whole world and you're connected to it in this one small way um but i really believe in the 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 creative power and the potential of that connection because if there is a real connection and and a a real relationship it's like a lot can come through that small bottleneck and then um and then in that case sometimes it's a good thing that it was a bottleneck because it can re-expand in unexpected ways and you can you can take that and use it to solve problems that they didn't have in the past so they didn't have solutions for um for example like a lot of what we do is adapting things to our challenges today as performers that like we have to do this music in a compelling way that the audiences understand and feel exactly what it means to us without us using any words or explaining it and doing that just through musical techniques and and our arrangements and that's a challenge that didn't exactly exist in the past cuz a lot of this music was played in community context and it wasn't seen as a performance where like someone's going to sit passively and and taste the music it was like everyone's dancing or um mm-hmm. so i think that's one way of answering that question <laughs> uh but also yeah not all of our work is based on that too we we kind of use that as i've thought of that as kind of like a uh, anchor point and then uh you know we extrapolate out and 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 then we do learn things more abstractly too and mm-hmm. um and to get stuff from archives where it's like who were these people we don't know it's all that's written is a name you know mm-hmm. and but i think it that's something that's been really important to me from that i you know got from playing music in Missouri and playing jewish music that's like you need a really big um understanding of context to be able to take a little piece mm-hmm. like that and reconstitute it in a way that's meaningful and not um totally kind of tone deaf to the world that mm-hmm. it's a part of yeah so it still like keeps some representation of the 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 roots of it but, um, yeah uh learning from elders i mean it's hard because it skipped it seems like it was sort of like not that popular for a couple generations and so a lot of the people who still um have connections to this music are very quickly leaving this world and um and so it it is really thrilling when we get to cross paths with somebody who's older um there's a, a couple that was they're they're uh this anglo couple from genies from louisiana and ken is from la la los angeles 
and uh, and so they're not New Mexicans, but they in the 80s, 70s and 80s they went around and they were one, some of the few um, ethnomusicologists who were documenting elders playing, and so there's like videos of some of these people that we are meeting now in their 90s when they were in their 50s and 60s, which is it's cool to be able to go back and they have a lot of written um, documentation of these tunes, and so we get a lot of stuff from them. Um, well, Jordan and Tanya get a lot from them. I remember them from when I was a kid. We'd go to I'd go to barn dances and then play the broom dance, and they'd like <laughs> you'd run around, and I get stuck in the between the hay bales and <laughs> so. But um, so they've been around a long time and keeping this kind of keeping it alive. So I feel like one of our roles is is sort of like taking what they have preserved, the treasure that they preserved, and now we're caretaking it. But then there's also chances that we get to run into people like um, there's this really lovely couple, um, Ramon and Lydia, and they play a whole different repertoire that, and they're still performing even though they're in their 80s, and they're a really incredible performing ensemble that really captures the sound of the past. And so just to try to, like, the more we get to interact with people like that, not everyone is always super willing, but most people are are very receptive to us as as younger, hungrier musicians. <laughs> so that answers that question. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And so yeah. in, in that context, what is exactly, and I don't know if you can exactly <laughs> use that word, but what is your process overall when you are like, oh, we want to we want to perform this one song or this one idea of a song. Are, do you always go to someone? It sounds like you also have online resources or the two ethnographers you were mentioning. Um, how do you go about that? Do you write any of the music that will come into your song or are you just trying to source it from before so you can perform it now? I think we do both. both. Yeah, everything. Yeah. We do yeah. all of those okay. things. You <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, what does that look like? You find um, somewhere uh, an idea of a song, and then you mm -hmm. work on it and like build it to for it to become yours. Is yeah. I can uh, just real quickly. I um, when I first started you know rehearsing with these guys, um, I come from my background is we use charts and we kind of just work these parts out, and we all stay in our lane and. Well, when we first started, when I first started playing with these guys, we'd be playing a tune over and over, and I'm like, "What are we doing?" You know, quietly <laughs> like, while we're playing it over and over. But what happens is like ideas tend to start to take shape, and uh, when you repeat a phrase so many times, the variations start to kind of kind of grow organically between us. Additionally, we all come from such different uh, backgrounds musically that our synergy really creates some wild stuff. You know. Um, and we're usually bored, so we're always trying to do fun stuff for ourselves as well in the music, you know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. There's some some of the music we play is is really complex, so that um, you know we each have to work really hard at playing the the part that we want to play to go with it. And some of it is very simple. So, like I think, like Santiago said about being easily bored, is like a really cool thing is we can play something from the past that we want to play and the way you know just to play it kind of like the first idea the first thing that comes to mind might not be particularly uh, engaging for us or or meaningful and so I think 
like that that sense of being easily bored is a really important part of figuring out like well what what's the way of playing this that I really care about that I want to get in front of an audience of people and share with them you know and I feel like that to me is is one way I think about it. like that makes it authentic and real for us because it's something that we we believe in at that point and we kind of each have to figure out you know based on all the music that I've heard based on everything I like how do I play this in a way that you know really is a, it makes me feel musically alive mm-hmm. and in that sense I wonder if um, each one of you would be willing to share um, what and maybe there are many elements, but one of the elements that drives you to be part of this band, because it strikes me as uh, a musical ensemble that's a little more than just uh, any other band that someone might come across. There's that whole humanities aspect to it, that relationship to place and being grounded in New Mexico. And um, and maybe that's one of the reasons why, or maybe it's just the music itself. But I wonder if um, all four of you could share with us uh, what makes this music and the sharing of this music so important to you? Mm. That's a good question. <laughs> um, is anyone prepared with that? Can yeah, I, I can go first. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I grew up in New Mexico, um, but I did not grow up in a Spanish or Hispanic-based family. Um, this is Karina Wilson. And so this music, you'd hear it sort of on the fringe when you'd be out in public places like uh, the state fair and different things are like um, on the radio as people are passing by but it wasn't in my everyday consciousness except like the occasional like um, place that you would pass by and um, and it always it, it felt like really out of touch like all of the Hispanic culture and stuff like they were very protective of um, of their culture and their sort of their secrets or their cultural identity they didn't want to share it with the, the outsiders with the anglos very much is, is how it felt where i was growing up in the in the rural community and so um but the more that i learned about folk music and the more traditions that i studied um it really it really um, highlighted how important this music is and needs to be shared and kind of seen on the same level as all of these international uh, folk musics from all over Europe and, and the Americas. And like it, it has its rightful place, but nobody was putting it out there. So it felt really, really important to me um, to help preserve this and to and, and a, an opportunity, like a beautiful opportunity for me to be welcomed into this community that is like uniquely New Mexican and very special to this place. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I'll, I can think of maybe two ways for me to answer that, but it is a really big question. This is Jordan Wax. First, I think just my own kind of self psychology. I I see in myself, like I've used music as a way. I grew up in in Missouri uh, and come from an Ashkenazi Jewish family. And, and then on my mom's side from really deep kind of Ozark, Missouri roots. And that was a time in the Midwest when uh, people really believed in assimilation and that you sh- it was kind of looked down upon to have like outward expressions of culture. Um, yeah, it was seen as like, yeah, a, a negative thing. Um, so 
I think a lot of, of you know, I started getting really hungry for that as a teenager and, and looking for that. And I think I can see a lot of the musical work that I've done creates a space um, for me to get to experience. Like, a lot of these things are things that people have done in their homes for many, many generations. And um, I think my story is not at all unique and that my family lost access to those those kind of activities um, one way or another. And so the idea of a, a band is kind of like you create this space in which something else is possible culturally. And the people who are involved in the band get to decide what that is. And it could be almost anything, you know, it could be smashing our guitars and, you know, eating, eating raw bats on stage, you know, and that's, that's the culture that, that we are getting to live in and get to be in that space. So I think, um, yeah, that's something I see is that I really appreciate that opportunity to uh, get to experience the things that I want, with which one of them that really leads into this project is is the experience of getting to be together with other acoustic instruments in a space and be making music together in that kind of like uh, cooperative ensemble way is just a, like a sensual and physical experience that I really love and crave and it's pretty rare today like it's and even in my lifetime it's become a lot rarer when when you get a chance to experience music the way that it's been made for since the dawn of humanity, you know. Um, so yeah, I see that the like a band can be if you think of what really is a band, it can be a way of creating a space um, that otherwise has been lost and reclaiming it, and being like, oh no, this is it becomes normal. We sit around and play music for each other and, and with each other, and like uh, whereas that has been in the world around us has really, really disappeared. And the other thing I wanted to say was, was just in terms of, as I've been doing that in the context of this place and the, the people around me and the elders that I've met and, um, and approached the styles that I really love, like the, the Mexican Huasteco fiddling and learning that in Mexico and stuff. Um, it's a chance to get to experience that, to get go closer to the things that I am really attracted to and love musically, artistically, and aesthetically. And then I, in in seeing that, it's been really interesting to see, um, learn that, you know, as weird as that's felt, like wow, I'm not from this culture, and and here I am doing it, and then realizing, oh, actually, from some of the elders, like that's always been happening. There's always been people who have been participating in this way and so I've come I learned a lot about the role music plays in connecting people that otherwise aren't as connected and realizing that some of the traditions like we were talking about those old dance traditions it may be that that's exactly what they that's the function they were playing is you know that's not it might be that was a side thing or it could be a million things and they could all be true but um, it could be that, you know, we're really following in some very ancient footsteps of bringing together different histories and different um, backgrounds and and finding a home for that in this particular music. And I think that in itself is a is a connection to the past, which is 
really fertile and a lot of really interesting things can come from that. It can serve a lot of people who, who kind of like Karina was hinting at, like people who feel this deep connection and there's not really a way to express it. And, and here's this music that, that kind of puts words to that, puts vibration and sound to it and, and it's open and people can love it and, and all kind of, it's like we made the space you know, in my case, I'm saying the space that I needed, and then it's like other people get to come into it, and um, and it has a really cool role to role to play. Thank you. Pretty cool to hear your perspectives. Okay, I'm go Santiago Romero. Yeah, it's interesting. I was thinking as we were sitting here growing up. Um, this was my grandmother's house, actually the lady on the top left of that photo there. And um, my grandfather, the man in the painting actually, he died when I was six. So we'd come here every Friday and we would dance with my grandma here in this room. And a lot of these dance moves, I mean, I was a young kid doing these. When we do these dances, I'm like, oh man, these are some of the moves I learned with my grandma, literally, you know. And, but I wasn't exposed to people like like how you saw even a, a Ken, uh, como se llama? Um, Ken and Jeannie, yeah. Um, I never saw them until I saw them with Lompignon, and so I never really saw any other humans doing these kind of da uh, dances, um, as well as like playing, uh, growing up playing, I, I grew up playing a lot of polkas and kind of like leads on the guitar that I thought were so fun, but like growing up at school, I remember for like our, our guitar concert of the year or whatever, everyone was playing like, you know, uh, Stairway to Heaven and like, <laughs> rock and you know brown eyed girl and i remember being so afraid to play these polkas because i did, i thought it wasn't going to be cool or whatever and it was always like the crowd always loved it but never really had a lot of peers that played it with me and, and so when i went to school at new mexico state in las cruces got really involved in mariachi music and kind of abandoned this music in a sense stopped playing it altogether really got immersed in mariachi and then upon moving back here, I went to Second Street one day and I saw Jordan and uh, uh, Greg and Noah playing. And I'm like, where the hell did these guys come from? You know, that's the first thing I thought, you know. And so not only were they playing like this music I grew up with, but they were playing a bunch of mariachi music like that I knew the rhythms to. So I was like, I was like, I, I right away was like, I'm, I'm supposed to be playing with these guys like <laughs> somehow or another, like truly like. But like I mentioned, I kind of alluded to earlier, it's like two groups, it's, it's kind of hard to manage that sometimes. And luckily we've been able to do it long, long term. But yeah, so, th so th there's that side of it, but also like this music as far as like, um, and not only is it fun, and it, but it's like truly like in me. Like everyone tells me how, how um, happy I look while I'm playing and like I can't wipe the grin off my face because I'm really having a really good time, you know, and so and with really good musicians, like truly this group of musicians, like it's really, it's a, well, it's an honor. So yeah, good shit, get emotional here, but <laughs> yeah, so. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> Hi, this is Tanya. Um, it's definitely, this playing with Lompignon is about sense of place for me. Um, uh, I feel like one of the most beautiful things um, that uh, has been carried through this place, you know, and, and injected by so many different people has been the music. It, it uh, connects people and, and brings a lot of joy. 
and and it gets people through the worst of times, you know. And and I grew up going to my grandparents' house and and hearing music always, you know. There was never no music in the house or at events, you know. We, it wasn't a question, you know. It just was there always, um, dancing and music. So I feel like that's that's super important to me. And um, and my relatives that hear me play this music or it just um, you know it connects with them in a way that none of the other music has that I that they've been kind enough to come watch me play. <laughs> um, but it, but it's also very much like Santiago said about about this group. Um, I'm too very honored to play with uh, you all who have been playing uh, so much more music and so much longer than I have and um, yeah, you all are, are a joy to play with and to create with. I mean, I get to come here and, and create, and I think that's a, a grand privilege um, to compose music with others in a collaborative environment and to, to be um, really successful ab ab about it with one person is sometimes challenging, but with four people is like really delightful. And uh, yeah, I don't, that's not lost on me. How, how, what a beautiful experience that is. Um, yeah, it's just, I think that's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, all four of you. I feel like we've talked so much about the music. It might be time to hear it if, if you guys want to play it. <laughs> Lone Pignon's interview continues in our next radio segment, during which they perform two songs and give context on how and why they write and perform their music. Stay tuned. Thank you to Jordan Wax, Santiago Romero, Tania Nunez, and Karina Wilson for sharing their perspective on their music and work. Lone Pignon just released their most recent album, Cuadro Vidas, and was performing it at the Brooklyn Folk Festival the week before I met with them. Where We Meet comes from Taos Center for the Arts in Taos, New Mexico, and is supported by the Northern Rio Grande National Heritage Area. Producers include Chelsea Reedy, Alice Morillon, and Anna Forster-Smith. On Where We Meet, we share conversations from New Mexico and beyond. Thanks for listening. Be well. <laughs>